This is, uh, we are continue to be in our series. I'm Steve, one of the pastors here on staff, and we're in our series, When It All Goes Wrong. It was three weeks ago that we met Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob. He was 17 years old. He was a shepherd boy. He was um, well-built and handsome. Still bugs me a little bit. And he was a dreamer, a, a, a well-dressed dreamer, you might remember. In fact, it was that dreaming that got Joseph really in trouble. It was that dreaming that got his brothers to be jealous of him. And so because they were jealous of him, they took him and they, they took him and they tried to put together a plan actually to murder him. Uh, thought better of that, ended up selling him like a piece of property to merchants who were headed down into Egypt. When he was down in Egypt... He was sold again, this time to Potiphar, and was working in Potiphar's household when he was falsely accused of attempted rape and ended up in prison, as Pastor Eric talked to us last week. Sitting in prison for years, and we come to today, Joseph is actually 30 years old, so it has been 13 years since he's been taken away from his homeland. 13 years since he's been separated from his parents. 13 years without his brothers, his family. 13 years without freedom. 13 years of loneliness. Many of those stuck in a prison. And we come today seeing Joseph sitting in that prison, but yet the scene shifts as we move from being in prison at the end of chapter 39 and in chapter 40 to actually the palace, the palace of Pharaoh in chapter 41. And we see Pharaoh, and he's, he's not a, you might say Pharaoh in the beginning of this chapter is not a happy camper. In fact, the Bible tells us that he's disturbed. Some version says he was troubled. And it's because we actually find out that we are meeting another dreamer. Pharaoh had had dreams. In fact, he'd had two specific dreams. And there was no one there who could tell him the meaning of the dreams. The dreams were this, uh, very simple dreams. The, uh, Pharaoh, was, or Pharaoh was down by the Nile, and out of the Nile River came these seven cows. The Bible says they were sleek and fat. I, sleek isn't a word I usually think of when I think of cows, but I guess you can be a sleek cow. A sleek and fat. But the Bible says then also out of the Nile came seven cows, ugly and gaunt in Pharaoh's dream. And the dream goes on and the seven ugly and gaunt cows gobbled up or ate the seven sleek and fat cows. Says so Pharaoh woke up and then he fell back to sleep. And he had this dream again. This time it was seven heads of grain. Scripture tells us they were healthy and good. And growing next to them there were seven heads of grain. These ones, though, were thin and scorched by the east wind. And the dream went on that the seven ones that were scorched and thin ate up, swallowed up the healthy heads of grain. Pharaoh was confused, disturbed. He didn't know what it means, which is really kind of 
Interesting because Pharaoh was viewed by the people and by himself as really a god, or at least a demagogue, uh, uh, not as high as the, the, the highest gods, but a god. And, and when he would communicate with gods, or when gods would communicate with him as Pharaoh, as a god, he should be able to understand, and he should be able to interpret, and he should be able to give the interpretations to the people, but this time he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So he went out and he got his wise men, his magicians, and he brought them and he says, can anybody tell me the meaning of this dream? No one could. So he checked Angie's list and Craig's list. Anybody that could be a dream interpreter, you know, and nobody there, nobody he could find to be a dream interpreter. And so finally, one day, as he's troubled, as he's disturbed, his cupbearer came up to him, the man who would serve him his drinks. And he says, yeah, I imagine he approached Pharaoh pretty gingerly here because it's maybe a little bit of a sore subject, but he says, Pharaoh, you might remember a number of years ago you weren't real happy with me. In fact, you weren't real happy with me and you weren't real happy with your chief baker. And you sent us both to the royal prison. And we were there. But while we were there, we both had dreams. And, and you can read about this in chapter 40. He says, we both have dreams. And we were troubled and this young man noticed that we were troubled. Verse 12, cupbearer says this about Joseph. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of the dream. Joseph was able to interpret the dreamer became the interpreter of the dreams. And the Bible goes on, it tells us that, the, that everything came to pass just as Joseph said. Well, what came to pass? Well, these dreams, they each shared their dreams with Joseph and um, the, the, Joseph had the problem, I guess, of telling them, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. <laughs> To the baker, chief baker, he said, I've got bad news. You're going to get out of here, but you're going to get out of here. You're going to go to Pharaoh, and when you get before Pharaoh, he's going to kill you. Your life is coming to an end. But he said to the chief cupbearer, he says, i got good news. You're going to get out of here too. You're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to be restored to your position. So i got good news for you. And so as they were leaving, uh, you can see Joseph, maybe imagine Joseph calling out and says, and when you get to Pharaoh, don't forget about old Joe. <laughs> don't forget about the one who interpreted this for you. Don't forget about me. The Bible tells us years went by, two years went by at least, and he forgot about Joseph until this day. Until the day where the Pharaoh was so disturbed, where he was so troubled in his heart about this dream, what it meant that the cupbearer says, hey, there was a young Hebrew guy. Maybe we ought to get him here. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. And Joseph did what you and I would probably do, right? Clean up. <laughs> so you know, we'd take a shower and get ready if we're going to go in the presence of the most powerful man in the country. So, Pharaoh, so uh, Joseph says he shaved, he put on new clothes, and he went up and he met with Pharaoh. Pharaoh says this in verse 12. I have a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph responded this way. 
He says, I cannot do it. Bummer. But God will give you, will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Whatever Joseph has been through these last 13 years, whatever um, pruning and training and preparation that God has made, he knew one thing, I can't. For 13 years, there's probably not much he could do on his own. He was told what to do. He was directed what to do. Even in his position of authority in the, in the prison, he still was under greater authority. And he says, I cannot do it. But God can. There's some interesting language in here. First of all, the, the, the language by the author, God is Elohim. It, it's, he says, when he says to Pharaoh, it's, it's not just any God. Elohim, the supreme God. The one true God. He's, Pharaoh, you might think you're a God. You might think there are other gods out there. But there is one true God, Elohim. He is one superior, supreme God. He can interpret it. I can't do it. And then he says, and he, gives, he will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. That doesn't mean he's going to get all good news. All the things he wants. Because that's maybe the way we read it when we first read that. Like, my desire if I was to pray and I said, give me my desires, Lord, the Indians would win the World Series every year. <laughs> I don't know what Pharaoh's desires were, but that wasn't, that wasn't what Joseph was saying here. In fact, the word used, the, the Hebrew word used here is one we all know very well. God will give you shalom. He will give you peace. He will, he will take your troubled soul and he will satisfy it with an answer because you want an answer. He's going to calm your anxieties. You will no longer be troubled. You will no longer be disturbed. And so he gives the explanation. He says, really, he's got a pretty simple explanation. I can imagine in my mind saying, I can't figure out why these other guys couldn't come up with this. <laughs> he says, it's this. The answer is this. These seven fat cows and the seven healthy um, ears of grain, the, the, the heads of grain, they simply mean there's going to be seven years of prosperity. Seven years of prosperity. And then he says then these, these seven ugly cows, the thin cows, and these, these grain that have been shriveled by the, by the east wind, those are seven years of famine to follow the seven years of prosperity. That's the, that's the interpretation of the dream. Nothing more complicated than that. And then he adds this in verse 32. He says, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. He says, this is, this is serious. When God says something once, listen, he's gonna do it. But when he says it twice, buckle up because this is coming and you gotta be ready for it. Be prepared. In fact, I can think back as he says this, God is repeated because it's going to come true. It's repeated because God is true to his word. You had this dream in two forms. I got to think he's thinking back to the dream that he had when he was 17 years old, the dreams that he had, the dreams that were repeated. The sheaves of grain bowing down to his, the sun, moon, and stars worshiping him. Thinking God's true to his word. I don't know how he's going to do it. It's been 13 long, tough years. But God is going to do it. And it's been firmly decided when God says it will happen. 
and then. And that this, is, this maybe is the most amazing part of this story to me. He doesn't stop there. Pharaoh asked for an interpretation. He gave him the interpretation. If it was me, I would have said, okay, I gave you what you want. Um, am I free to go? <laughs> but instead, this Hebrew boy, well, 30 years old now, still a young man, gives advice to the most powerful man in Egypt. He says, by the way, in case you don't know what to do, and we see it in verse, the next verse, verse 33, he says, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. This is unbelievable. Called in to interpret a dream, and he does it. And then he says, and by the way, Pharaoh, most powerful man, a man who thinks he's God, here's what you need to do. We don't see anything in here that says God told Joseph to say this or God spoke to Joseph and said, here's what you should say. It had simply been revealed to, to Joseph. It had simply been his understanding from God of this is it. And he says, if, 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 if I have this opportunity, I gotta take it. If God is opening this door, I'm not just gonna peek in the door and say, uh, is this the door I'm gonna go through? I'm gonna charge right through it. I was thinking about it this week when I was um, in a discussion. We were here in a discussion at the office. Do you know, for some of you that are like me, that are huge fans of the musical Hamilton, it starts this week downtown at the, uh, at the, at the theaters uh, downtown. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about it and looking forward to it. But at the beginning of that musical, when they're first getting started, of course, it's the story of Alexander Hamilton and, and, uh, and, and his life. But there's a, there's a discussion going on in the music of what the role is of these individuals in this budding revolution. Where am I going to fit in? What am I going to do? Am I going to be bold and step forward and lead? Or am I going to stand back? And, and Alexander Hamilton steps up and he starts singing a song. It's one of my favorites in the musical. But he said, it's called, he said, I'm not... I'm not throwing away my shot. In fact, it goes like this. I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm just like my country and I'm, hung, I'm young and hungry and, oh, I messed it up. I can't do rap. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like my country. I'm young, something and hungry. I'm not going away my shot, throwing away my shot. I just love that. I, I, the kids are a lot better, I know. But, uh, but I, I'm not, I, can, I can just see Joseph getting into here and saying, okay, this is it. I'm not thrown away my shot. This is what God has prepared me for. This is the opportunity to get out of prison. I don't want to go back there. Unless God wants to send me back there, I'm not going to throw away my shot. This is my chance, and I'm going to speak up. God has given me clarity. God has given me what to say. I need to step up in boldness and deliver the message. I need to do what God has called me to do. I'm unshackled. I'm free. How am I going to use that freedom? I want to keep it. To keep it, I need to use it. So he gives Pharaoh the plan. He says, not only do you need to uh, um, put this wise person in charge, but by the way, the grain you're going to harvest over these next seven years is going to be so great. It's, gonna, it's just going to be overwhelming. And so you can tax your people 20% of it. 20% tax. Just go ahead and take it from them. 
But you take it from him, you've got to store it to save it for the future. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to have facilities. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take cities and you're going to have to make those cities where the, where the grain is brought and you're going to have to build these huge um, places to store the grain. The grain got so, so, so huge, the amounts, that they, they, they couldn't even account for it anymore. It was so, so great. And they kept bringing it in and bringing it in and bringing it in. And he says, so he's telling you, you got to do this. I'm not throwing away my shot. When God brings me out of the pit I've been in, when God delivers me from the prison, when God has prepared me for an event, a circumstance, a service, if Joseph doesn't do it, who does it? Who does it? Well, Pharaoh, after listening to Joseph, says this, says the plan seems good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? I think this might be at this point kind of a rhetorical question. They're sitting around with his cabinet and his people, and they're saying, is there anybody that's got the spirit of Elohim, the supreme God, like this man? Is there anybody who can lead like this man? I can see them just sitting around saying, um, sounds good to me. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's the wisdom of this man. I don't know anybody who was able to step up at a time when you were distressed. Elohim. Then Pharaoh turned to Joseph and says this, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took a signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot, a second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. How about that? That's incredible, isn't it? You wake up one morning, you're in prison. <laughs> you get called before the most powerful man in the country. And by the end of the day, you're second in charge. Not a bad day, would you say? For, something, for someone who everything has been going wrong, when God begins to move, when God speaks, and he says, this is certain, it's going to happen. And by the way, it's going to happen quick. In fact, God is already moving. In fact, unbeknownst maybe to Joseph and unbeknownst to those around him, God's been working for 13 years to prepare Joseph for this moment. I can imagine. Yeah, you know, that first week we talked about Joseph and how he irritated his brothers. Not only his good looks and be a bit, but just these dreams and this little bit of arrogance, pride maybe that we see maybe in Joseph. Just, just enough that... His, he needs to have a little bit of honing on his personality. Well, we see that as a negative, but I can see maybe God looking down at Joseph when he's younger. And he goes, ah, that's the kind of spunk I need in front of Pharaoh. <laughs> we, just need to, we just need to hone the edges a little bit. We need to, to fine-tune his personality a little bit. We need to get him in the right place at the right time. And God works. In fact, Scripture tells us that things happen just like 
He would say it happened, and during that time, uh, Pharaoh gave um, Joseph a wife, gave him a new Egyptian name, and even Joseph and his wife had a couple boys. Joseph's life began to turn around because he was willing to stand up. He was willing when called upon finally. When his dark time was over, when his prison time was over, he was willing to stand up and speak God's word. He's willing to stand up in a hostile environment. Do you know that the Egyptians did not like Hebrews? In fact, as you read through this, this story, and if we were reading verse by verse, you would find out that they did not like it for a couple reasons. First of all, it's, well, it's just as they don't like to eat with them. They, they, they would not eat with Hebrews. And it says one thing, that they, they despised the Hebrews, the Egyptians did, because they were shepherds. And so they were looked down upon, but yet he stood up in a hostile environment where he'd been accused of attempted rape, where he had been a slave. And he stood up and he spoke God's word. Joseph was in charge, second in command, in a foreign land, hostile people. Do you ever think about the fact that, you know, this world is not our home? We are in a foreign land. We are in amidst sometimes of a hostile environment. Where Christianity and Christians at times are looked down upon, made fun of. And God calls his people to stand up. God calls his people after maybe we've been pruned, after we've been worked on by him, to stand up and speak and to do what he calls us to do. To be a Joseph and to not look at all of the situation around him. Well, Pharaoh. I can't believe I'm going to Pharaoh. I better keep my mouth shut. I better not say much. The Egyptian people, what are they going to think of a Hebrew in charge? Are we willing? Bill Hybels, in his book, Not Too Busy to Pray, says this How do you pray a prayer? so filled with faith that it can move mountains? By shifting the focus from the size of your mountain to the sufficiency of the mountain mover. And by stepping forward in obedience. How do you move mountains? How do you face situations when God has placed you in a place where he wants you to speak, where he wants you to take action? where he's called you and said, now is the time to step up. Don't throw away your shot. Get our eyes off the mountain. You know, I've been taught to live by a phrase that says we, stay, we, we glance at problems and we stare at solutions. We glance at problems and we stare at solutions. We glance at the mountains. We know they're there. We can't, we can't not acknowledge them, but we stare at solutions. And for Joseph, the solution was a God who was with him and never left him. He says, I can't, but God can. And when we step into situations where we don't know, really, we say, God, you've prepared me. God, you've called me. And now, God, you've given me the direction to go. I still don't feel like I can't, but you can. And I'm not going to give up my shot. I'm not going to throw it away. Joseph says, I can't, but God can. I love that, though, the and. It's not just looking at the God. It's just not looking at his, at his sufficiency as our mountain mover. But it's also a call to obey. 
If Joseph hadn't done it that day, what would the results have been? What calamity might have come if Joseph had not responded? Because we know in verse 56, there in the verse in, in Genesis, it says, when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold the grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. If Joseph had not acted, if Joseph had not stood up, many, in fact, they came from everywhere, the world would have perished. Reminds me of another man who came to a world who was hostile to him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish. They won't perish. And it's our job as Christians not just to be saved, but to join God in the work of saving others. I love what the message says in Ephesians 2.10. says, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Because if we aren't doing it, who will? Who will? Two questions to close with today. And they are simply this. Is my focus on the size of the mountain or on the sufficiency of my mountain mover? Is your focus today on the mountains? Is it on those that are opposing you? Is it on the difficulties that you've endured? Or is it on the sufficiency of the mountain mover? Is it on the sufficiency of one who took Joseph out of the dungeon and placed him second in charge? And but then the second question is just as important. Am I stepping forward in obedience? When that mountain mover calls me to join in with him, am I doing it? Or am I willing to be on the sidelines? There's nothing like being in the game. Nothing like being in the game. Am I willing or am I going to throw away my shot? As we close, maybe just take some time and think about what has God called you to do? What has God uniquely prepared you to do? Maybe it's been through tough times. Maybe it's been through some prison moments in your life. And God's now saying, you're unshackled. You're free. You have the opportunity. What are you going to do with it? What could that mean? I, I don't know. could mean something as, as simple as saying, hey, maybe, I, maybe God's called me and prepared me and I'm now ready to work with two-year-olds. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's a ministry. Maybe it's to speak to family members. Maybe they wouldn't have listened before because our characters were in the way. Our personalities or something, some sin in our life. But now God has pruned us. And he's saying, now's the time. Now's the time at work to stand up. Now's the time to get involved in a ministry. Now's the time to get in the mission field. Now's the time. Now's the time. In obedience, are we willing to do that? If Joseph hadn't done that, many would have perished. 
Jesus came so that we could not perish, so that we could be saved, but then we could join him in the works that he's prepared for us to do. We could join him in the good things that he has in store for us. We can, we can sign up to be on the Jesus team. What is it in your life? What is it that in your mind right now is a mountain and you've been staring at it? Stop it. Glance at it. Stare at the mountain mover. And then start to begin to walk and obey what he would have for us. The band's got a, a new song and they're just going to sing through it as we remain seated and pray. Maybe think about this area in your life that God's called you to get off the bench. God's called you to get involved and not throw away your shot. Let's pray and maybe even want to step over some people. I know it's inconvenient to step over, but you can do that and come join me at the altar and committing yourselves to taking advantage of the opportunities that God's given you. Being bold like Joseph. Being sure, confident in a God who's with you and never leaves you. Let's pray. Call me D.
sing this once more. You have called us higher. You have called us deeper. We'll go where you lead us, Lord. You have called us higher. You have called us deeper. We'll go where you of Hamilton the musical. Don't throw away your shot. Because in the words of Joseph, I can't do it. But God can. God can take your life, the messes that it's been through, the difficulties, the prisons, the dungeons, the pits, and he can give us clarity and he can give us a call to act and to go. I don't know where your call is. I don't know what you've been praying about. But God is with you. He will be with you. And he will do what he says he will do. His word is good. His word is true. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, Maybe some of us have been sitting on the sidelines. Some of us, Lord, have been willing to watch. Sitting in our prisons, sitting wherever we are. But now, Lord, the call has come. Lord, help us to accept, obey, follow you and be bold as Joseph was. Lord, help us to listen to you and to lead others to you. Those who are perishing, those in our world, Lord, who are dying, because we aren't stepping out. Help us to do that this week as we boldly, boldly follow you. We'll give you praise in that precious name of Jesus who made it all possible. Amen. Go this week. Serve the Lord. You're dismissed. <laughs>